Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, friends? And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about your pearly whites. And you know that taking care of your teeth is important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. That's Green Mountain Dental Group. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And Mace, we have an action-packed Friday show. I can't wait to get to it. But before I do, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, which is the wonderful Strava Craft Coffee, which of course is fantastic coffee. It's amazing caffeine and You get the great benefits of the CBD, which helps with pains, aches, anxiety, migraines, and so much more. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee for anything that you may have. If you want delicious coffee, check out Strava Craft Coffee. If you want some some CBD to help with, with really anything, make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee. If you want both. Well, there you go. Strava Craft Coffee is your beverage of choice. And when you do, make sure to use the code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. And as Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. And Mace, boy, we are living full on this podcast. And boy, the Broncos are back. They're back on Sunday. You're headed out to go see them and be there in Minnesota tomorrow. But before we look at that game, we can't ignore the Thursday night game. And, well, unfortunately, it's not the first 59 minutes and 50 seconds of the game we're talking about. A couple of things. First of all, good to talk to you, Zach. When you said it's an action-packed podcast, I thought back to your previous Twitter handle that it's Zaction-packed. <laughs> yep. And it's appropriate to say that because, yes, I'm going to go here. Your Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. You know, the thing is, I'm not defending this, but there was a time when this sort of thing would not have raised the same eyebrows as it does in 2019. And I know there's going to be that old school sentiment to say, well, you know, hey, I remember when Matt Millen punched a general manager, literally punched. Billy Sullivan, Patriots GM, after the 
Pats upset the Raiders back in January of oh 86. Oh, my gosh. You know, when Lyle Alzado took his helmet during a playoff game against the New York Jets back in January of 83 and started hitting people with it. Okay, Was he connecting? Not as squarely. Okay. But, yes, I mean, I think the thing about this is, is it is 2019. Mm-hmm. We are aware of head trauma. The style and tenor of the sport is changing, as it has to. Football to survive has evolved with the times. I mean, we can all go back and dive into the history books of Theodore Roosevelt's role in basically helping save the game when young men were dying in far too unacceptable quantities playing the sport back in the early part of the 20th century. The forward pass was actually born out of that crisis Mm. of the game. So it's always evolved. And yes, we've seen stuff like this before, but we have not seen it in 2019. Right. Well, good thing we have you because I have a lot of people on Twitter saying this is the worst thing that's ever happened in football. Well, it's, you have to measure it in its era. Is it the worst thing that's ever happened? No. I mean, again, like I said, you had people dying playing the sport. You've had, you know, hits that cause paralysis. I mean, if you're talking about just kind of the the visual, um, I mean, we can all look back at the Chuck Pedneric hit on Frank Gifford that uh, uh, leveled him, and there's that famous photo of Concrete Charlie kind of gesturing over Frank Gifford. And I'm old enough to, this wasn't something that's, it was it was horrific, but it wasn't you know of the same intentional nature. I remember Joe Theismann having the broken leg on Monday Night Football. So there were a lot of things right. worse, but again, in this era, we're aware of CTE. We're aware of brain trauma. Mason Rudolph has had a concussion in the last few weeks. That horrific hit that he suffered, and the sight of him in particular taking a helmet to the head. Yep. Honestly, that was the first thing that went through my mind when I saw it was, oh my God, Rudolph is a few weeks off a of concussion. He just took a blow with what could be considered a deadly weapon potentially in the wrong hands. Yep. Just took a, a, a hit with it. And Mace, you, you would know this better than I would. You just said, you know, a potentially deadly weapon right there. Is there any legal charges that Miles Garrett, are, are there any rules that protect players on the field like that? Or is this something that could actually go beyond the NFL? Well, in boxing, if you, if, if you do enough destruction to kill somebody in the ring, you're not going to be charged. You know, you, you're signing waivers and that sort of thing. Uh, that prevent that, that accept that in that arena, it's a combat sport and, uh, Death is part of the assumed risk. But that's also in the natural course of the sport. This point of boxing is to knock out the other competitor. Right. I don't think it's something where the legal system is going to get involved simply because even though it is beyond the scope of traditional football play, it's still in the purview of of the sport itself. So I don't think this is going to be a legal thing, but the league will throw its book at miles Garrett. They the have league to. could throw a little bit less of a book at Pouncey mm-hmm. and certainly could 
have some discipline for Mason Rudolph, although, although I don't think his discipline is going to rise to the level of suspension. So what's your guess on the suspension and punishment for Miles Garrett? I think the suspension and punishment is going to be, I'm going to guess, five games. Yeah, that that would be appropriate. I think with with this situation, how everyone is just on one side of it, I think that there is no punishment that they can hand down that would be too much. I don't think anyone would say, wow, that's excessive. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the entire season. Well, remember, this isn't a first offense for Miles Garrett. He's already been fined earlier this year. I think it was a 42K fine for the hit that he had on Trevor Simeon that basically ended his season back in week two. Yep. So he's already on the radar discipline-wise. But what a mess. What what an but absolute mess. I, I think mess. Mason Rudolph is even going to get a fine, maybe not a suspension, but a fine because, you know, it was an excessive hit, but he escalated a little bit. Yep. Yep, and and Mace, it is. It but this is a, isn't comparing what Rudolph did to what to justify what Garrett did. No, no, no. There is no justifying what Miles Garrett did with the helmet. Nothing it, at all. It is embarrassing to have any affiliation with the Browns right now. I mean, the season was bad enough. Then you have all the the antics with the Browns game when they played the Broncos with the shoes. How they just did not. The players just did not respect Freddie Kitchens. And now this, the Browns were riding a two-game win streak, just beat the Steelers, have an opportunity to beat the Bengals next week, and then the Steelers again in two weeks and be back at 500. After last night's win, their season was back on track. They have a legitimate shot of really getting back into this. And then you blow everything. In Even the last when 10 they seconds. win, they lose. Exactly. That's Even when the they Cleveland win, they Browns. lose. It's so embarrassing. Oh man, I, that that or so Broncos fans. If you think this season's bad and you think the the organization's in shambles, well, there's there can always be worse. And in this case, just look out to Cleveland because their two game win streak, Mace. No one talking is about talking it. about. It. And, and and shout out uh, to to my friend Lou. He texted me this earlier. How weird is this, Mace? Uh, for for this fact. The, the Browns are on a two-game win streak. Mm-hmm. The last time the Broncos played a game, they beat the Browns. How weird is that? It j- just, just how everything fell. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so mm-hmm. speaking of the Broncos and bringing this back to the Broncos, before we get into the game, there were some comments, and I think you're going to have, uh, Mesa's going to have a very f- fun take on this. There were two different comments made about Drew Locke. And let's start with the fun one. Yesterday, Von Miller talked about Drew Locke and said he threw the best incomplete, that's right, incomplete pass he's ever seen. Compared him to the likes of Tony Romo and Aaron Rodgers about how they just took off and how he thinks Drew Locke is going to take off. He said Drew is going to kill it in the NFL. And then, of course, said he's a star in the making. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> you're not uh, you're not buying into the hype, are you, Mace? Well, I think a little historical context here is always prudent. And for context, I dove back into uh, some of Von Miller's transcripts over the years, talking about of when he talked about quarterbacks and how they looked and uh, what they showed. Let's see here. 
This is from Von Miller on September 6, 2017, talking about Trevor Simeon. Quote, I was talking about looks. I wasn't talking about, hey, Peyton Manning, nothing moves, nobody moves like that. I wasn't talking about it like that, but as far as their vibe, the energy that Peyton had, that's what Trevor has. You can never replicate Peyton Manning or who he was on the football field, even the type of leader he was, but it's kind of like a vibe Trevor has about him that's similar to Peyton's. <laughs> it's not like Peyton. Nobody can be like Peyton, but it's similar. Okay. I never got a Peyton Manning vibe from Trevor Simeon in the least. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just didn't. Yeah, no, me neither. And didn't he say something about Paxton too? He did, although I didn't go searching for that quote. I was I went with Trevor, and I also went um, looking for a quote from OTAs this year about Joe Flacco. Quote, <laughs> he's great. I was familiar with Joe before he got here. He's a great leader and a great quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's why, Mesa, I, I mean, I think you're right about pumping the brakes about this and certainly saying that you saw someone throw the best incomplete. Oh, my god! Or gosh. as in Denver, they would say, incomplete. It, it pass. A, that, that, that's, that's absurd. Okay, I get that he's your teammate. You're going to praise him. But... It was just kind of over the top here. I'm just like, let's uh, let's just dial this back a little bit. Can't you say he's making progress without saying something <laughs> completely off the wall like it's the best incompletion I've ever seen? <laughs> and that's On Vaughn. the surface, doesn't it sound like a backhanded Sure. Compliment? Yeah, it, it, cer- it certainly could. And, and it was I- an interesting press conference for Vaughn, by the way. It was. Because he got a little snippy with... Mark Kisla. Yep. At one point. Yep. He deflected Cecil Lammy, trying to give him some praise for the <laughs> pressures forcing incompletion stat from Next Gen Stats. And yep. he kind of, he basically dismissed it. It was a strange press conference for Vaughn. Vaughn really wanted to not talk about himself and talk about the Vikings, which we're going to do in one second. But Mace, what I thought, so I understand that, that you were uh, hesitant to buy into Vaughn's comments and, and I totally get that. But what Vic Fangio said about Drew Locke, this actually means something. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So we found out yesterday that Drew Locke was getting, is getting eight to 10 team snaps in practice along with scout team snaps and Vic himself said that's quote significant and we found out why that's significant from Rich Scangarello because Rich Scangarello then came out and said right after Vic he said starting quarterbacks in the NFL get about 90 percent of the team snaps throughout the week well we found out from Vic that that Drew is getting eight to ten snaps and that the offense has 38 to 39 snaps per practice. So what does that mean? Drew Locke is getting 25% of the team snaps. And Mace, remember, of course, Drew Locke's not the starter. Drew Locke is not the backup. Drew Locke is not on the Broncos' 53-man roster. So this is huge. This is very, very significant in my eyes. Okay, let's just put this into perspective here. Because if you rewind the clock back to OTAs, something happened there that tipped off 
where they wanted this backup situation at the time to go and why, frankly, I thought it was ridiculous to keep giving Kevin Hogan (laughs) second-team snaps, that it was just a waste of time. During OTAs, even though the rotation was Joe Flacco 1, Kevin Hogan 2, Drew Locke 3, for two or three days during OTAs, the ones that were open to the media, Drew Locke got work against the first team. A period here, a period there. Kevin Hogan wasn't getting that work against the ones. And that at that moment, they'd given the sign that where we want Drew Locke to go, where we think he'll go is being the number two. Because you were already starting to get him that work against the kind of defense that he was going to have to face on Sundays right there in OTAs. Kevin Hogan was not getting those snaps because what was the benefit there? And that's why when they got to training camp, I thought it was baffling that Kevin Hogan was up there with the twos. What was the point here? It was clear where you wanted this to go. It was clear where you needed this to go because your intent was to hopefully have Joe Flacco lead you to a good season. And then if Drew Locke has to go in, it's there. So, the fact that Drew Locke is getting approximately 25% of the reps with the Broncos offense, plus some scout team work, that's massive. There's a decent chance he's taking those reps from Brett Rippon. Yep. If Brett Rippon has to go in, how, how many reps with the team did he have this week? Or did Brandon Allen only get half as much work as or 60% of the work that a starter usually gets. But this tells me, yeah, we know where we want this to go. We're trying to get Drew Locke ready to start at some point here in the next few weeks. Frankly, it probably all depends on what happens in the next couple of games as for when the timetable is set for Drew Locke to play. But Every day is bringing us closer to Locksgiving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's finally happening. So now, Mace, we've been hard on the Broncos for how they've been handling the situation. Now it appears they're doing it the right way. And an interesting thing, a quick little thing that Vic also said was time off helped Drew emotionally and mentally, whatever the heck that means, it helped Drew kind of step back maybe and not be bogged down by by just everything that was hit with him being a rookie quarterback. Uh, he said he's he's doing good in practice and a little bit better. And what I imagine he meant is he's doing Drew's doing better than what Vic expected him to do in the first couple practices. Okay, I get that. I appreciate that. But at the same time, think of it this way. Would he have made that same level of mental progress if he'd been brought back to the practice field in late October? Had he already made that? Or did he make some kind of leap there in the last three weeks? That's the thing I'd like to get to because I still can't get past the fact that they wouldn't bring Drew Locke onto the practice field in advance of, say, the Colts game. You're not going to get any argument from me, Mace. And and here's the thing about it, Zach. There's the whole thing. Oh, well, we want to have three full weeks of practice. It was all about that 53rd roster spot and, and kicking the can down the road on deciding who to bring back for as long as possible. But that was a terrible reason. 
Yeah. You should have been intending to bring Drew Locke back all along. As we'll get into Bryce Callahan, putting Drew Locke on IR was a mistake. Well, let's get into but, Bryce Callahan. But the thing is, though, we will get into Bryce Callahan. The thing is, you could have had him practicing before the Colts game. And then he would have practiced before the Browns game. And it would have been two weeks. And then you go on your bye. And yes, then that bye week, nothing happens. But you put him on the 53-man roster going into this week. And he has two weeks of reps that he wouldn't have otherwise had. It's just a little bit of a an illogical notion. Because you're saying that 53rd roster spot is so dadgum important that we simply can't afford to spare it when one of the most important arcs in this season is the development of Drew Locke. I would argue that is more important than whoever is inactive every week and is holding down spot number 53. Without a doubt. I made that point a couple weeks ago in a story on the DNVR.com. I'll stick to it. The logic they were going with was flawed on this one. There's no question about that, Mesa, and and that's why at least they're doing the right thing now, and hopefully they are. Yes, and hopefully they, that continues. But you can't correct that. You can't oh, go back I, and I undo totally that agree. because that's at least two weeks of practices that he would have had that you're never going to make up. It's not like oh, you get them back on the backside. Right. No, you don't. No, no you don't. I, you don't I, put practices in a bank and draw from them later. They're I, gone forever. I completely agree, Mesa. And speaking of kind of the exact opposite of this is the curious case of Bryce Callahan. He practiced once this week. It's the only practice that he's done since the preseason. And Mace, didn't he get out there? He, Briefly, he got like he, in week he got one. better a few times, but there was never a chance of him playing. Right, or never a chance of him coming back. So he practiced on Tuesday, and it didn't work out. And Bryce did not practice on Wednesday. He did not practice on Thursday. And then yesterday, Vic said that IR is looking more and more likely for Bryce. Yeah, Bryce Callahan had three limited practices back in in week one, leading up to the Raiders game. Two limited practices in week two leading up to the Chicago Bears game was questionable. Both weeks, of course, did not play. And then, wow, he was limited in week three as well going into the game, going going into that game and then DMP for week four. So actually, he did practice eight times mm-hmm. in September. But the work got more and more limited, as I recall, that – there were there was one day where he was doing some individual work, and then there was some other days when he was just working out and kind of standing there, at least for the indiv- for the period that we saw that was open to the media. So, Mace Bryce's first year with the Broncos is over before it even began. Ah, uh, yeah. And how will history record Bryce Callahan's first season as a Denver Bronco? It will record his first season as a Bronco as a Bronco as a colossal waste of resources a colossal as, waste of money as seven million dollars just flushed down the drain yep and and a mismanagement potentially yeah because in retrospect obviously hindsight is 2020 but boy oh boy the decision to have bryce callahan on the 53 and not have drew lock on the 53 that's something that you're paying for right now big time and here's here's the thing mace is i'm at the point with bryce callahan where I'm starting to get worried about him 
for next year. Well, and that's maybe, why you put him on IR. Exactly. If he you, has you to go to have it. surgery, let him have the surgery and let him have a long recovery time. And then keep him off the field until he is dadgum 100% ready. I agree. Let's say you do this in August, though, when the injury happened. Well, then there's no question about him being available for next August. But now, November, we don't know exactly what this is going to be. Heck, didn't he hurt his foot the last time when he got surgery in December? And that Mm -hmm. kept him out all of this season because of a little bit of a complication. So why are we wasting this? He should have been put on IR yesterday when Vic Fangio said every day that goes by is just another mistake, another mishandling. He should be put on the IR today, which I would not be surprised if they did once they activate Tim Patrick. So, Bryce Callahan, $7 million of cash for this year. Theo Riddick, $2.5 million of cash for this year. $9.5 million spent on two players who didn't play. And then Jawan James, he's at what, 32 snaps? Yep. Something like that. His cash payout this year was $17 million. So, $26 million for 32 snaps combined. It's not good. And Jawan James... That's historically bad. Yeah, not trending in the right direction right now, even though he got on the field Thursday. No. Vic Fangio said, yeah, he's so-so. He said he's 50-50 or less uh, to play on Sunday. My and this goodness. Remember, Mace, this is after a bye, and this is after when he didn't play the week before. My goodness is right. My goodness is right. You know, the Colin Kaepernick thing may be a PR stunt by the National Football League, of course, having him work out on Saturday. But you still owe it to yourselves to have someone there, and the Broncos will have someone at the workout. And I would actually say this, anything that is involves that sort of expenditure, something relatively small, frankly, I'm going to say, look, you paid $9 million <laughs> to Theo Riddick and Bryce Callahan and got no snaps. Yeah. You tell me you can't afford X, Y, or Z. I mean, you can carry over cap savings, cash savings, et cetera. But man, I mean, think what you could have done with that $9 million. Yeah. Could have helped you this Which year. Which one is worse, by the way, Theo Riddick or Bryce Callahan? I mean, Bryce Theo Callahan. Riddick is less money. Right. Bryce Callahan, the thing with him, remember, he lingered on the market for a week after the start of the legal tampering period of free agency. He was a second-wave player Yep, because of the injury. Yep. Yep, people knew. And also, you have to throw in the Vic Fangio factor. Vic wanted him, and Vic knew at least something about his injury. So that this one actually where I know a lot of people want to blame John Elway for everything, and he deserves a lot of blame. Vic, I'm not saying should take all the blame for this because you do have a medical staff that could have evaluated him. And John Elway certainly had to sign off on it. But this one does look a little bad on Vic in the free agency world. It does. And Vic's done a lot right. Certainly they don't bring in a Kareem Jackson without Vic giving the okay. Yep. And he's been brilliant. Yep. It's a mistake. And then compounding the mistake by not putting him on IR, at least giving him eight weeks to see where he could go and thus delaying Drew Locke. Drew Locke might be playing right now <laughs> if they had not put him on injury reserve. Oh, think about that. Don't make me think about this, Mace. Because the Brandon Allen exercise, unless he's Tom Brady or 
something of that ilk. All you're finding out is whether he can be a backup or not. Yep. Exactly. And what has greater long-term value to you? Finding out whether Brandon Allen can be a backup or finding out whether Drew Locke can be a potential starter. Yeah, I don't even need to answer that. <laughs> I think we but all But here know. we are. Here we are. And I mean, it'd be crazy if the Broncos won on Sunday with Brandon Allen at quarterback. It would be. Because that would probably kick the can down the road further. It certainly if would. If the Broncos win in Minnesota, yeah, we won't see Drew Locke until the Lions game week 16. At the earliest, unfortunately. Unless there's an injury. Well, let's talk about that game. But Mace, before we do... We have something that we really want to ask for your help with. A really cool thing is going on. Uh, The House of Pod here in Colorado is doing a Colorado Podcast Awards. And we just found out about it yesterday. And the nominations close tonight. So we really, really ask for you guys to go and nominate us, whether it's the DNVR Broncos podcast, whether it's a Nuggets podcast, Avs podcast, whatever podcast is your favorite here at DNVR, would you guys please go in and nominate us for this award? It would mean a ton to us, and we'd be so grateful. So how you can do this is either go on to my Twitter, Mace's Twitter, Ryan's Twitter, DNVR Broncos Twitter, and we've all tweeted the link in the past 24 hours. So you can click on that, and that takes you right to the Google Doc where that you can fill out and nominate us or if if you don't want to go on twitter you can google house of pod colorado podcast awards then click on the very first link and that takes you to the house of pods um website and then on there it says it's about the second thing on there it says now accepting nominations and there's a link if you click on the link it takes you to that google doc that will allow you to nominate us they're doing five different categories best overall podcast Hopefully us. I hope we've we've earned that from you guys. Best single episode. Boy, a lot to choose from since we do it five times a week. Best host and co-hosts. I hope we've charmed you enough. Zach, Mason, Ryan, rolling with you every day. Best independent podcast and best new show. Of course, this isn't a new show. We've been doing this for a long time. But we do have the Denver Sports Podcast, which is new as of this year. And if you've listened to that and enjoyed that, we'd really appreciate you guys to to nominate us for that. Um, and so we we would be so, so grateful if you guys could do that. Like I said voting's been open for two weeks. We found out about this yesterday, and it closes tonight at midnight. So if you guys would just whip out your phone, uh, go on your computer right now, that we would really, really appreciate it. Yes, we would, and we have a lot of podcasts here. Yeah, vote for your favorite. We love it if you voted for us, but make sure that no matter who you vote for, the best new podcast would be the Denver Sports Podcast. We'd love to get a little uh, bit of affection and award for that podcast endeavor really one of the few if any podcast that incorporates all denver area sports so if you're a fan of all of all the teams make sure you vote for that but we really appreciate it if you'd take a few minutes and nominate us podcasting of course is a huge part of what we do here at the dnvr.com it's a staple of our days we're thankful and grateful to you to making us a staple of your days, your commutes, your workouts, your walks around the park, wherever you take us. It's a, it's something that we take very seriously and we appreciate and are humbled by the fact that you choose to join us every day. And so a little bit of a request, but we'd love it if you 
went on House of Pod and showed some love for this podcast. Well put, Mason. And really quick, we're asking we- for a lot lately. It seems like, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's it's something that helps us all. It, it really does. And Mace, we're about to hop into the game preview, which is going to be a quick one, but it's going to be a good one. But suspensions and penalties just came down for the Steelers and Browns. Okay. Miles Garrett, exactly along the lines of what I was thinking, suspended indefinitely, at least for the regular season and postseason. And Marquise Pouncey, three games. Larry Ogunjobi, one game. Each team fined $250,000. So indefinitely for an on-field event. Wow. Damn. <laughs> well, let's talk about something that hopefully doesn't have $500,000 in fines and multiple indefinite, or one indefinite suspension and a few other suspensions. Hopefully this game on Sunday doesn't have that's not a division rivalry not even a conference rivalry so hopefully that will be avoided of course we talked about the gary kubiak aspect of this event yesterday let's talk about on field mace how do the broncos win this game and overcome being 10 and a half point underdogs well first of all let me note that since at least 1979 the broncos have never straight up won a game on the road in which they were 10-point underdogs. <laughs> they did win as a double-digit dog in Super Bowl 32, neutral site. They won a 1987 strike game as a double-digit dog against the Raiders. But again, that was with, with replacement players, and it was at home. What do the Broncos have to do? First of all, you have to limit Dalvin Cook. Yep, I think that's first and foremost where it starts and ends. Yep, and Dalvin Cook comes into this game averaging over 140 yards from scrimmage so far this season. 991 yards for a 4.9-yard average on the ground, another 424 yards on 40 catches through the air. So you have to limit Dalvin Cook, I think. What's a number that you would think is a goal to contain him to in this game? Realistic one? Yes. 75. From scrimmage or rushing? (laughs) 75. Uh, Rushing. Okay. That's fair. It's funny. The Vikings actually lost when he had a season high in rushing yards, 154 yards, along with another 37 on three catches. That was against Green Bay back in week two. So it's not a guarantee that you win. However, Minnesota... So far this season, you said 75, one and two when he rushes for fewer than 75 yards, losing to the Chiefs, losing to the Chicago Bears. So thus, I think there's something to your magic number of 75. (laughs) It is a magic magical number. number. Yes. And what, six and one when he goes for over 75? Yes. So there, there you year. go. And Von Miller said it yesterday. It's it starts with Dalvin Cook, and I think that's exactly what it's because Kirk Cousins he's played magnificent, but not everything has been on his shoulders. He hasn't had to put the whole team and offense on his back because he's had Dalvin Cook. And so if Dalvin Cook's allowed to go off, or at least you know be close to a hundred yards, get over ninety or over that magical number of seventy-five, then not everything's on Kirk Cousins' shoulders, and Kirk Cousins can be that what. 110 passer rating that he is this season? Well, here's a stat for you. When Kirk Cousins has 
more than has at least thirty five attempts. The Vikings are zero and two this year. Mm, so that's exactly it. And last year, let's see when he now they were passing the football a heck of a lot more, and not the same correlation with thirty five or more attempts. Last year, the the number was more than forty, because when he threw more than forty times, the Vikings were zero five and one. <sighs> There it is. But this year he hasn't thrown 40 times. So the two numbers are keeping Dalvin Cook under 75 rushing yards. And they're connected because if Dalvin Cook isn't effective, they're going to pass the ball a bit more. Well, Mace is So keep him under control. It's a cliche, but it does start with containing the run against the Vikings. And I feel much better about the Broncos' odds of doing that now than if they played this game back in week three. I think if this were in week three or week four, before Alexander Johnson was in there, before they made the changes on the defensive line, this would have been a beatdown. The the Broncos have a puncture's chance at containing Dalvin Cook in a way that few teams have. You're 100% right. And since Alexander Johnson, Mike Purcell, and the defense have stepped up in the run game, they've allowed 35 rushing yards, 39 rushing yards. Of course, I'm going from week four on. 80 rushing yards, 127, of course, to the Colts, and 90 rushing yards against the Browns. So Not quite as dominant as they were when you first made those lineup changes, but still reasonably effective. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot better than the first four games where it was 98, 153, 77, and 269. At least they've shown since they've made these changes that with this defense they have now that they can hold teams to significantly under 75. And you know what? Against the Chiefs, the Chiefs had 80 rushing yards. If they do that and hold Dalvin to 80, well, that'll that'll be darn close to to getting it done. If you let them go off for under 100 or over 100, though, Mace, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough game. <sighs> no doubt. <laughs> and, of course, another thing that you have to talk about is that Minnesota tries to play mistake-free football. Their only game with more than two giveaways, they lost. That was in Green Bay back in Week 2, four turnovers, which basically meant that you negated the positive effect of Dalvin Cook rushing for 157 yards right. at Lambeau Field on that day. So the D, in addition to containing Dalvin Cook, I think they've got to get a couple of takeaways, and I think one of them has to either go to the house or get the offense in prime scoring position inside the red zone or closer to it, and then the offense has to capitalize on that. I couldn't agree more, and that's how you overcome being 10.5-point underdogs. And the the on the flip side, the Broncos' offense has to play mistake-free football in terms of you can't get a strip sack, you can't be sacked 10 times, you can't be throwing interceptions. You, you, Brandon Allen has to be smart. He has to play mistake-free football, and the Vikings are good at capitalizing. They have a turnover, at least one turnover, in every single game but one that they've played. They and have they multiple- lost that one to Chicago. And by the way, Minnesota is 0-2 with a negative turnover margin this year. Mm-hmm. Yep, well, that, 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 that's, a, that's a good point. And they, they f- have forced multiple turnovers in nearly half of their games. 
Mace, we should be talking about a 21-point line for this game if the Broncos have multiple turnovers. Well, Brandon Allen just has to play mistake-free football. He has to understand that it's okay to throw it away, get out of the pocket, nobody's there, send it into the first row of U.S. Bank Stadium. No one's going to be the worst for the wear. Yep. Go on to the next play. It's sort of the John Fox, a punt is not a bad play scenario, potentially, against a defense that is explosive, but has been gashed at times this year. I think the other thing for the Broncos is that this may not be a scenario where you're grinding out a 10 or 12 play drive, but if you can get the explosives as you did against Cleveland, the 75-yard <laughs> touchdown to Noah Fant, for example. Philip Lindsay breaking free for a 30-yard touchdown. You get the plays of 25 or more yards. You get a handful of those. That's part of the equation you have to win because it's going to be tough to mount a sustained 14, 15-play drive against the Vikings. You're going to need some big plays, some big throws of the hammer to Make sure that you've got a chance in this game. There's an equation for the Broncos to win. There is a path. It's a narrow path, however. Yeah, it's a narrow path, and you got to be on the tightrope to not fall off and completely lose this. Mace, here's the thing that Brandon Allen needs to realize. He's not going to win the game for the Broncos. If the Broncos truly win this game, it's going to be the defense winning it by, like you said, getting multiple turnovers, turning one of those into either points or a a great opportunity for the offense to score points. I don't see a scenario in which Brandon Allen goes out and has three touchdowns, 300 plus yards, and completely puts this team on his back and they win. Could he have 300 passing yards? Sure, because the Broncos are down 20 points at halftime and he goes out and throws the ball 52 if times. If he and has, has 300 passing yards, they probably lose this game. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, if he, if he has the three touchdowns, well, now we're talking about a different story. But realistically, the Broncos win this game on the back of their defense. So Mace... How's it going to unfold? Do they cover the 10 and a half, or is it worse than that? Oh, I think they cover. Oh, pretty confident. Yeah. And really quick, Ryan gave me his picks. He was pretty confident. He didn't give me a score. You're going to have to stay tuned to the roundtable this weekend for the score. But he was pretty confident in that the Broncos were going to cover as well. There's a, let's put it this way. I don't know if they're going to cover by much. Could be one of those things that comes down to the end. <laughs> if it gets away, but remember, a 10 and a half point margin for a team with a defense like the Broncos. Think about this Broncos, they could get beat down. The defense could hold its own. The offense could just be inert. It's 20 to three in the fourth quarter. They get a late, feel good touchdown drive. Yep. You've lost 20 to 10. <laughs> yeah. You've covered. Yep. You bet on the Broncos. You're in great shape. <laughs> so do you want to give me your game prediction in the round table or you want to do it now? I'm going to do it in the round table, which you can find probably tomorrow. Yep. I'm think- writing my part today. RK is always last. Well, I, I'm i going to try to chase here. I'm picking the Vikings, not because I'm trying to chase and pick up a game on you guys. You in just this said pick-up. you were going to chase. <laughs> but it, Well, it's not because I'm chasing. <laughs> I, I actually think that the Vikings will beat the Broncos by more than 10.5 points. 10.5, Mace, I'm not going to lie, is a ton in the NFL, especially, like you said, with a team that's 3-2 and two in their past five games, with a team with this, this good of a defense. But if Brandon Allen plays anywhere close to how he did, not the stats, how he did against the Browns, 
Minnesota will cover by over 10 and a half. Now, can he get better in practice and having that bye week? Absolutely. But I need to see it again. I think Minnesota is going to take it to the Broncos and win by at least 10 and a half points. You know what's interesting? What? How rare the Broncos are underdogs of this level. Mm, how, how many times has it happened? In, in terms of regular season or just total, even playoffs? Sure. Yeah. In the last 40 years, since 1979, which is as far as pro football references, point spread numbers go back. Well, that's a pretty good, good amount of time. Yeah. It's the 13th time. Whew, in 40 years. So once every four years this happens? And what's interesting Ooh. is that two of them were in Super Bowls. <laughs> that is just wild. Super Bowl 32 and Super Bowl 24. Now, of course, in 24, they lost 55 to 10. So 32, right they that. won 31 24. Mentioned that earlier in the pod. The Broncos have not been a double digit underdog in any game, postseason or regular season, since. Can you name the game, Zach? Think about it. As bad as they've been, and I'll give you a hint. As bad as they've been in the last two and a half years, they haven't been a double-digit dog. Was it when they played the Patriots? When? <laughs> Which play a Patriot game? There are several. Well, you're telling me in the past two and a half years. So I'm no, 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 no. They have not. They have not. I'm going to have to go beyond two and a half years, yes, right? Yes, you are. So I'm going to have to go You're right on the opponent. The 2011 divisional oh, round. before Peyton. Holy cow. Yep, it, with Tim Tebow. They'd beaten Pittsburgh a week earlier, but nobody thought the Broncos had a chance. And yep. as we know, those gleaming casinos on the Strip in Vegas, they were built by losers. <laughs> yep. And it was a... The casinos are smart, and yep. they put a 13.5-point line on it, and Oof. the Broncos lost by 35. And actually, the last time in the regular season was... Earlier that year at Green Bay, hmm. October 2nd, 2011, the Broncos were a 12-point dog going to Lambeau Field and lost by 26. Oof, man. All right, let's get through the rest of our picks this week. Mace, the Bengals going into Oakland. And how about this? The Raiders? Can you guess what the line is and know it's not 75? Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Raiders are <laughs> ten and a half point favorites over the Bengals. Ryan's picking the Raiders. Who are you picking? I'm picking the Raiders. That line is the vote, the referendum Uh, uh, uh. on Ryan Finley as Cincinnati quarterback. Is that the vote of no confidence, as you like to point to? Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't like this, but yeah, I can't pick Ryan Finley in the Bengals. I've got to pick the Raiders. And Mace, the final one, Monday night's game, the Chiefs. Four-point favorites going into Los Angeles. No, 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 no. Going Estadio into Estadio Azteca. Yes, going into Mexico City to play the Chargers. Do you want to give me your pick now, or do you want to save this for Monday? Let's save this for Monday. All right, we'll save the division game for Monday. So there you have it. We all agree, except I have the Vikings winning this weekend. But last night, you and I we did picked your Cleveland Browns. Oh, we did. And... Ryan picked the Steelers. I need to pick up one on him, so that felt good. <laughs> it did. It did feel good. And if you want to feel good this weekend, why don't you check out Breckenridge Brewery? Because here's the thing. You can't go wrong with whatever beer you get, whether it's the Avalanche Ale, the Colorado Core, the, um, oh my gosh, how am I blanking? The Vanilla Michael Porter Jr. 
all of their beers are damn good beers. Strawberry Sky, I, I can name all of the beers that they have. All of them are damn good beers. So make sure you check them out this weekend. It is a Friday. It is a Breckenridge Brewery weekend, and what a better time. Hey, this is a perfect weekend to pick up a sampler pack, especially in Denver, because you're going to have a little crisp. You're going to have a little cold. You're going to have some hot. So enjoy the strawberry sky today when it's getting close to 70. Uh, enjoy the Colorado core when on on Saturday it's dipping a little bit, and I think it dips even a little more on Sunday, and that's when you go into the vanilla Michael Porter Jr., maybe the avalanche, maybe the hop peak. Uh it's a damn good time to be alive with some damn good beers, Mace. They have a Christmas sale, right? Yep. Is it too early? Because I'm seeing Christmas decorations everywhere. It is not too early. I yeah. have, in fact, already listened to a little bit of Christmas music. I have too. My daughter requested <laughs> it in the car the last two nights in a row. And I'll go back on a, a rant that I've had. Last night, we heard the worst rendition of Santa Claus is coming to town ever. Heard it, and I said, Charlotte, I think that's the worst version of that song ever. And she said, yes, I agree. <laughs> Who sung it? Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> it's like everything he does on some level is designed to annoy the living crap out of me. <laughs> oh, I love Jimmy Fallon, too. So you're... you're <laughs> it's terrible. Your, your annoyance with him is hilarious. It should never be played on any radio station again. I don't I don't think I would I love Jimmy Fallon and I don't think I would be playing him on a radio station that's for sure. I mean Eddie so Murphy I'll back you up there. Eddie Murphy in 1985 singing party all the time had a lot more musical value than this. <laughs> they do have a Christmas beer because you know what they have Mace? They have little Christmas beer kegs that you can get and it's like self-serve you can get it in the liquor store breckenridge brewery has this yes and it's decorated uh green and i think there may be a red christmas tree or something on it but you can get those now yeah if there's a war on christmas <laughs> christmas is winning it's a route <laughs> <laughs> and also after you enjoy some breckenridge brews make sure you check out the green solution which has 17 colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible so get on your phone right now go to their website mygreensolution.com order your flour concentrates edibles and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup use code dnvr20 for 20 percent off your entire purchase all right, Mace, it is a busy, busy day, and we got the question of the week. Yes, brought to you, of course, by our friends over at Sports Column. Good place to check out the game, good place to hang out right there in the heart of Lodo Sports Column, one of the great places to go in our fine city of Denver, Colorado. The question of the week, which Bronco needs to show the biggest improvement over the next seven weeks? Let's start with Nick Castillo, Drew Locke. Quarterback is the main problem for this team moving into the offseason. The next seven games need to be about Drew Locke and what he looks like running the offense. Everything else is secondary. I'd love to see Drew Locke. Uh, Aaron Doctor says Bowles. Yeah. Ooh, yes. No doubt about that. Jay Park says, well, it will be hard for Bowles not to improve. <laughs> he is playing so hard. But hold that thought because the one we need to show the most improvement has got to be the zero starts to hero stats story. Drew Lock. <laughs> Dan Kennedy says, Drew, we have to see if he's the guy. Um, Sanjaval says, obviously, Drew Lock, if he's allowed to play. But I'll say no offense. He needs to continue to ball out like he did against Cleveland. Tyler Oliver agrees, Drew Lock. Seth says, I want to see Hamilton step up. It's been fun to see Sutton come into his own, but we need to have a second wide receiver weapon. Now, that being said, 
Deshaun Hamilton, knee injury in Thursday's practice, so that is up in the air as we record this. Yeah, he really may not be able to step up. Benji says, Von Miller, if he's getting paid the big bucks, he needs to make the big plays. Interesting. Chad also agrees with Drew Locke. Jedi Joshua says, Elway. (laughs) And uh, then a response from Sarah Bettinger, over the next seven weeks, how does Elway show improvement in your eyes? And Jedi Joshua says, by activating Locke, I was being funny. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Hess says, for the benefit of the Broncos, it's got to be Drew Locke. For the benefit of himself, it has to be Bulls. Get another couple more votes for Deshaun Hamilton from Texas Bronco and Nick Sama. Also, here's one. This one from Preston Epley says, could be Deshaun Hamilton proving Denver doesn't need to draft a burner wide receiver. But he says, in my opinion, Bowles is already out, so not him. Maybe Mike Purcell proving he's not a stopgap, but a long-term solution. Sure, and and really, he just needs to continue to do what he's doing uh, in order to prove that. And then finally, this one from Zachary. Not saying I'm not in on all in on AJ already, but man, if he continues to improve each week, imagine that. I miss the days of having some linebackers that put fear in the hearts of opposing teams. I love playing Madden with Wilson, Gold, and Williams. So he votes for A.J. Johnson. And now, Mace, should we hear from the people in the comments section? First one coming in from Sausage Sangaheri. Ultimate what-if scenario. How would the NFL landscape be different if Bill Belichick stayed in Cleveland and drafted Tom Brady there instead of New England? Apologies if this has been done before. You boys deserve to win at Colorado Podcast Awards. Best of luck. Thank you, Sausage Sangaheri. Well, if he had stayed in Cleveland, it would have been interesting because there wouldn't have been a team for him to coach for three (laughs) years because, of course, they moved on to Baltimore. So... Either you assume that Bill Belichick is waiting for the return of the Browns, and yeah, then maybe he does pick Tom Brady in two in two thousand a late round flyer. But let's say Bill Belichick had stayed in Cleveland and been the coach of the Browns back in nineteen ninety nine. Does he pick Tim Couch? Does it turn out differently for Tim Couch because he has Bill Belichick and that staff rather than Chris Palmer and his staff? Yeah, that's a tough one, Mace. I can't wait. For the offseason and your what, what if I can't wait. Those, those are going to be, be fun. Blast. But let's say this as well. What if Bill Belichick had gone with the team to Baltimore as it became the Ravens? Hmm. He would have gotten a title, I think, before. Of course, the Ravens won in 2000. Yep. They might have won a little bit earlier, and they might have hung on to Vinny Testaverde and won it with Vinny Testaverde at quarterback, and Tom Brady might never have joined Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah, that's something crazy. Love Thunder Down Under. Apologies for the comment yesterday. I meant two minutes, not months. I was laughing too hard and mistyped. <laughs> Zach reached new heights of football pleasure when discussing how Drew, how good Drew Locke looked like with a ball in his hand. While I'm on it, even in Orange and Blue Mace, I never got the backstory to 75. Well, explaining it ruined the joke. No, it's perfect. There's actually an explanation in my previous mailbag that I put up very early on Tuesday. But the brief explanation is Steve Atwater, my former co-host, co-produced a movie called 75, now it's referred to as Dead Tone. If you want to find it, it's very cheap download on iTunes. It's actually, I think, floating around the YouTube ether for free, so you can watch it there. And there's a scene where one of the characters slams a speaker phone down and says, 75! <laughs> and so on our show, every time the number 75 would come up, that's how we said it. Steve would like be like, come on, man, don't do that. Because he says his role as producer was simply donating money 
so he hasn't gotten it back. We would push people and encourage people to download the movie to help Steve earn his investment back. Well, we love Steve, so why don't you download the movie and watch it? Don't go on YouTube. Dead Tone. Dead Tone. Ray Crockett, another member of the Super Bowl winning Broncos back in the 1990s, he actually has a speaking role. Oh, there you go, Mesa. I got to say, you're a very brave man for poking the bear of a, what, 6'4", 220-pound, just absolutely shredded guy. Now, here's the thing about He's Steve. He's the nicest was, guy in the just, world. I was just going to say, when I put it, when I, when I just speak of the physical uh, attributes and you look at the tape, seems like the scariest guy in the world, Steve, it, not just for a former player, not just because people say this about people all the time, Steve truly is like the nicest guy in the world. Um, and left under, down under, I'm happy that you actually... Uh, uh, Told us what you meant by that, because I, I thought that you were saying I had just peaked. I had reached my max, and I was only downhill from there. Maybe. So, I so it was that. not your jump the shark moment. <laughs> right, exactly. Next one coming in from Chicken Joe. What's up, guys? Just had a couple points to say. One, the outro song for this podcast is severely underrated. Two, I completely agree with that. I love it. I listen to it every single day when I put the podcast together. Two, I don't want to get ahead of myself because Brandon Allen is still the quarterback, but good coaches find ways to eliminate your number one threat. And I am firm Vic Vic Fangio believer. I would not be surprised to see a closer game than we expect or even a win on Sunday, but that could be me just being optimistic. Three, Mace, about your point on Joe Burrow. I understand the potential, but I really don't see as much as you do. You say that he has good eyes and can use that to manipulate defenses. But isn't that something that can be taught or coached? I like Burrow, and he is my number one quarterback, mostly because I don't like Tua that much either. But I think it's highly unlikely the Broncos take a quarterback next year. And quite frankly, I think it would be an absolute waste to use a second round to use a second round last year and a first this year on a quarterback. A quarterback competition be, can be good, however. It really makes no sense. Why not go in all in on one guy? Give me Drew or give me a different quarterback prospect. Not or one or the other, not both. Well, here's the thing with one or the other, not both. I don't like going all in on one guy until you know he is the guy. I'm cultivating multiple options. Let's go back to 2018. They signed Case Keem in free agency, and I thought, well, that's great, but I hope you're going to draft a quarterback. Of course, they didn't. They looked at that room, Case Keenum, Paxton Lynch, Chad Kelly said, eh, we're good. I don't like doing that until you know you have the guy. You didn't know you had the guy with Case Keenum, or you shouldn't have known that. There's no way I think you could have rationally concluded that based on just one good season. So until that point comes, you keep drafting quarterbacks. If you have two that develop into People who could be the guy, great. You trade the surplus. The other thing with the eyes, the eyes are kind of like the feel for the pass rush. Some of that is just innate. You've got it or you don't. And frankly, when I watch a quarterback, these are the things that I'm looking at. The feel, the eyes, the ability to have a quick, to process things quickly, go through your progressions. Joe Burrow displays these at the level of a 10-year veteran. You have to have them. And then, of course, build on them. They can get better over time. But it's really hard to coach that into somebody when they've got a habit of staring down receivers at the college level. That's something that's tough to change. I agree. It can be coached, but that is that is something that you really want a guy to just have, and, and he does have And that. remember this. Anything innate that's, in, that's ingrained in you, that's part of your habits, it's tough to change because you may be able to get it right on the practice field, but when you're out there under the pressure yeah. of game, and at game speed— 
What often happens, you revert to the old habits. And We've that's it time and again. And that's actually something that Tua has as well. That that mm-hmm. game was like you were watching two NFL quarterbacks because, well, you're probably two watching NFL the, quarterbacks. You're probably watching the top two picks. Next one coming in from Bronco Nugs. Are we past Vic in a box? <laughs> Not yet. Let's just see where the rest of the season goes. But I think we're getting close to uh, being beyond that. And I don't know. It's kind of a shame. I was hoping that Vic Fangio would rearrange the paradigm on where coaches have to be for a game. I agree. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen with the way the defense is trending. The Manning-faced God. Mace, Manchester City, really? It's all about <laughs> Manchester United. Glory to the Reds. I'm sorry, Mace. Even though Man United has not been the Man United we are accustomed to seeing, Manchester will always be red. You know, though, there's something that says that Manchester United has a bigger global following, but Manchester City has a little bit of a bigger following in the city of Manchester. Really? That's Well, I think that's maybe what we city supporters <laughs> like to say. <laughs> All jokes aside, I love what I heard from Vaughn yesterday on Drew Locke. Yes, he said positive things about Trevor and Paxton in the past, but I really think Vaughn's opinion on Drew Locke has validity. And for Drew Locke to know that the leader of your team, the franchise of your team, believes in you like that must go a long way for him. Also, did you guys pick up how Vaughn wants to be here in Denver when, quote, Drew becomes famous, unquote. I think Vaughn is hinting that he wants to be here toward the later end of his career, and I really hope that happens. Thank you, guys. Well, and this also dates back to the comments about Emmanuel Sanders right after Emmanuel was traded. Uh, And uh, one of the things that Vaughn said was, we want guys that want to be Broncos. And he kind of echoed this thing of, I want to be here through this. I want to see us come back out on top. So Vaughn truly does want to be here for the long term, and that is Clearly not something you can expect from everyone. But at the same time, the Broncos have to be willing to pay. Yeah. Well, and Chris sure. Harris Jr. keeps saying over and over he wants to be here. Mace, where? what's the worst team in the NFL that if you were a player that you would not want to be? <sighs> For the next three years. For the next three years. See, yeah. I wouldn't say Cleveland is dysfunctional as they are because— I agree. I think— Including like City. Just where's the right. place that you don't want to be? You, Mace. Well, I would say Cincinnati, but they've got a chance to get this thing fixed quickly if they Cincinnati's get the right one. quarterback. Green Bay, when I was growing up, no player wanted to go to Green <laughs> Bay. <laughs> but then Reggie White and Brett Favre changed that. Yep. Although it is interesting at this day how players on their off day will often scoot down the interstate to Milwaukee. Don't blame them. So, so what's the one team? Oh, man alive. <laughs> See, you wouldn't even say Tampa or Jacksonville or Miami. Right. Florida, no yep. state income tax. Yep. How much do you believe in Josh Allen? Hmm, it's a good one. But at the same time, it's an organization going in the right direction, man. Where were you want to be? I got to say Washington. Okay. So now, Mace, if I said... I'll give you $25 million per year for the next two and a half years in order to go to Washington. Sign me up. <laughs> exactly. And that, if no one else is offering me that, I'm, <laughs> where is the next plane? That's kind of, you're actually just buying your own jet and flying there. Yeah, money talks ultimately. Yeah, guys that's the deal with Guys that. will go where the money is. Of course, that means if you're a lesser team, you're not getting any hometown discounts. You're not getting any good team discounts. You're going to have to overpay a little bit which is where we are, for example, with 
Juwan James. Exactly. Mace, you got a new nickname coming in from Bronco Born Bronco Bread. Or maybe not nickname, but uh, classification. Mace, I think you might be a Broholic. Nice. Let's say you had to put $1,000 on who the next quarterback for the Broncos is, and you're putting it on these odds. Drew Locke, minus 350. Brandon Allen, minus 150. Andy Dalton, plus 200. No real reason to just have a feeling this is an Elway move. Drew Brees, plus 250. Justin Herbert, plus 300. Jameis Winston, plus 450. Joe Burrow, plus 500. Jalen Hurts, plus 800. Joe Flacco, plus 1,500. Tom Brady, plus 2,500. And Marcus Mariotto, plus 3,000. Okay, well, you got to put in the the plus value here and the potential gain relative to the odds. I hate saying this, plus 1,500 Joe Flacco. Oh, you're going to be a rich man. Man, I... I hate doing that. It's This is based on the odds here. Right. I think it's more likely it's somebody else. Yeah. But put it this way, you've got plus 800 for Jalen Hurts, plus 1,500 for Joe Flacco. Yeah. I think there's no question Joe, there's a better chance of Joe Flacco being back here next year than Jalen Hurts being a Bronco. No, no doubt. I'm certainly putting, if I can divide this a thousand up, I'm certainly putting some of it on Joe Flacco, but if I'm putting it all on one person, unfortunately I got to take the best odds and I'm I'm taking Drew Locke, okay. especially after the past few days. Also, RK, I've been meaning to tell you this, but Luca, greater than Jokic, go look at the stats. <laughs> oh boy. Mace, do you, you know how to uh, how to get this username? P3 and New 7? Yeah. There you go, I guess. Okay. <laughs> hey, fellas. Short-time listener, first-time commenter. I listened to the podcast the other day and couldn't help but agreeing with RK. It doesn't matter who Ooh. you put out there at QB if the O-line is still hot garbage. I think the Broncos should target Wirfs or Thomas at the beginning of the first round next year, then trade back into the first round for Biotish. That's what I've been saying, <laughs> as long as you get the quarterback right. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. If Drew Locke is the guy, you can afford to do that. Absolutely. Resign McGovern and move him to right guard. The starting O-line would then be Worf slash Thomas, Reisner, Biotish, McGovern, Juwang James, providing he can stay healthy. I think the Broncos should give Locke a year behind this kind of starting O-line. If he's not the guy, target a QB in 2021. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Go Broncos. I think that's what's going to happen. And I, I completely agree uh, w- with that. Now, if you find out, though, and you wouldn't just find out in three to five games. You would know from everything that happened this offseason if Drew Locke isn't the guy. If Drew Locke's not the guy, then you do have to address that quarterback situation. You can't just force a guy that you know is not the guy. You can't force him down this team for another year. And you can't go for the Band-Aid route. No. I mean, I suppose you could rebuild the offensive line and go for the Band-Aid quarterback and hope that he figures it out. Or the Reclamation Project, the Jameis Winston type. I agree. You can't go the Band-Aid route. But you're paying a lot for that, and that's money you may not be able to spend elsewhere. But here's the thing. I don't believe that Tom Brady or Drew Brees is a (laughs) Band-Aid. But, I mean, those aren't aren't realistic. Those those are long shots. So, yeah. We're back on Tom Brady. Oh, I'm always going to be on Tom Brady. But the problem is you take Tom Brady, you have to take Alex Guerrero. And Alex Guerrero is a quack. I'll Speaking take, of quack, I'll take any. <laughs> next exactly. commenter is Bronco Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Bronco Duck says, hello, gentlemen. I'm over the Burrow talk. Let's discuss a man currently on the roster that gives the Broncos a glimmer of hope, Drew Locke. Mace, I've heard your concerns with Locke's accuracy. However, what are a few positive notes you have on him? What qualities or athletic traits give you excitement as a Broncos fan? Leadership, swagger, arm strength, but again, 
as long as you meet the baseline of arm strength, the the rest of it is kind of unnecessary. I'm more I concerned agree. about accuracy than strength. Um, the fact that he learned three different systems at Mizzou, had to keep learning and relearning offenses, those are all positives for him. I don't think it's too big for him mentally or emotionally. And he's putting the time in. This is not Paxton Lee's 2.0, regardless of what some people want to say. He is coming in early. He is putting in the extra work. He's going through every practice twice after it happens. Yep. And Mace, those reasons are why I would have been fine. I would have drafted him at 10, not just been fine. I would have been fine if the Broncos traded up to pick him. But your concerns are why he fell to the second round. So, I mean, there's certainly uh, both sides here. There's a reason why he fell, though. Uh, So I think it's important that that you you, you bog me down with those. He continues, says, As a holiday season approaches, I thought about the classic, It's a Wonderful Life. In the spirit of this holiday gem, could you guys imagine a world where we don't draft Drew Locke last year? Could you imagine the state of the organization without the hope of a good young quarterback? Say what you will, but I'm glad we have someone on the roster that gives Broncos country hope for December and beyond let's hope he does he gets it done and shows why men why so many of us liked him coming out of college well you know what you almost sound like you're going to start saying Minshew because you said mint what if you don't draft drew lock but you draft gardner Minshew on day three oh. the stash <laughs> of course he's benched now but there could have been a young quarterback <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Uppercut of Justice checking in. Despite basically being massive and biota diverse, Zach was right. Jaguars, not tigers, belong in the Amazon apple patch. <laughs> Bengal tigers live in smaller apple patches scattered across the Indian subcontinent. Good point. I was thinking just more of tigers in general, what the Bengal tiger is specifically <laughs> from India. So props to you, Zach. Well, thank you, Mace. And Mace, we got to tell the people about the competition that we've got going on at DNVR because from what I've heard, as the Nuggets are just rolling through their season, Broncos were on a bite and that hurt us. So we need you guys for one final push. We got behind on the Nuggets early because they had the unfair advantage of having Adam Mares and Brandon Vogue and, and all those guys just joining the team then. But you guys came through for us. You helped us pull through about midway through. Then we got put back behind the bye. Now we need that one final push to send us over the edge. And of course, we are competing within ourselves, but the main goal here is to have the Broncos beat win because Mace, the Broncos beat, has never lost one of these. So how can you help us out? Well, join our family, become a member of the DNVR family by using the code Zach, Z-A-C, Mace, M-A-S-E, or hit code R-K when you join our family. And what do you get? You get all of the exclusive coverage of DNVR, every single sport, including the Broncos, which we have so much stuff every week during the season and the off season. You also get... Um, the exclusive rights to comment on our podcast and have any questions read. And you get a shirt of your choice and you get the satisfaction of supporting us and local journalism. Locally owned journalism. Locally owned journalism. And when you guys join us and ride with us and support us, that directly benefits Mace and I. Yes. Not a hedge fund. (laughs) So use the code MACE and... (laughs) Make sure you join our family. We'd love to have you along for the ride. And of course, love to have you commenting on our podcast, reading all of our stories and all that. We feel like, hey, you know what? It's 
It's a small price to pay for going deep inside all of the major professional sports in Denver, plus CSU and CU. Really cool, like for our CSU guy Justin Michael to be out there live at Cameron Indoor yes. Stadium yes. last week watching CSU take on the Duke, Duke Blue Devils. These are the sorts of events we cover here at thednvr.com. And speaking of supporting local businesses, make sure you guys check out Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and make sure you tell them who sent you. Back into the comments, we dive in with our friend, the Count, Count Locula. If I had the time, I would be a DNVR blogger slash fanboy and chronicle every episode for future reference. Mm. Yesterday's gem would be Zach saying he thought Mace was going to say India, not Indiana, in reference to the cow brain sandwich. Most Indians are 80% or so are Hindu, Zach, and they don't tend to eat cattle. Time for a Mace geography lesson, right? Of course, you got me on the Amazon thing. So, <laughs> Love you, Zach. It was just funny. By the way, sweetbreads, the thymus gland of a young cow, are about the most delicious thing you can ever eat. I'm not John L. weighing my way out of signing cap on this one oh if you get God. my drift. When I come to Denver for the Chargers game, I'll gladly find a local eatery that serves them and treat you boys to some of these treasures. I really love you, gents, because you make me laugh and think every damn day. The count. You know what? Another way of saying <laughs> sweetbreads. Pancreas. Mm, You've seen okay. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Yep, yep. You remember when... Cameron is talking about how he it's not a good day. And Ferris is like, not good, not good. We've seen priceless works of art. We ate pancreas. <laughs> so presumably that's what they had at the French restaurant where <laughs> yeah. Ferris talked his way in as Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> Count, we love you so much. Thanks for Mr. telling us about, about sweetbreads. Yes. <laughs> Next one coming in from Iceman. Wait, hey. we got Big Tabaski responding. He oh, says, okay. I was going to mention that, Count, so glad you did. You did. Cow is sacred to Hindus, and three quarters of the population are Hindu, so not much cow being eaten. I think it is even illegal. Half-ish the people in India are vegetarian, so way more common to eat bulls' brains in Indiana. In fact, if you've ever had a sausage, burger, or some chili, Zach, you've almost certainly eaten the brains of an animal, uh. along with other less appetizing parts, even the ugly bits. I was thinking at that comment of, a anim of an animation from The Simpsons. It was actually where Lisa became a vegetarian and showing the animals that went into each thing and hot dogs. It's just like all sorts of stuff. Oh, <laughs> Including like, like a skunk. Can we stop talking about this? <laughs> Hopefully Iceman breaks a trend here. Hey, boys. Uh, 
how do we, how do we pronounce it? Roanoke. Roanoke, Virginia for me, Mace. But I did spend- The magic my, city. But I didn't spend my teen summers working in Portsmouth, Virginia, just across Chesapeake Bay from the capital city. We all understand how Elway likes retreads at quarterback. This upcoming year is going to be full of retreads. This top 10 list is not my order. It comes from NFL.com. One. Dak Prescott, two, Tom Brady, three, Drew Brees, four, Philip Rivers, five, Cam Newton, six, Ryan Tannehill, seven, Andy Dalton, eight, Nick Foles, nine, James Winston, ten, Teddy Bridgewater. John might take a quarterback in the late rounds, but we can forget about the rest of them. Go Zoomies and Brandon Allen. Well, you got some of your guys on that list. He certainly does. I love it. I love uh, number two and three and four. (sighs) (laughs) You get Tom Brady. You're not getting vintage Tom Brady. It's all I'm saying. The Unforgiven 3. Hey, guys, long time no comment. With the season basically over for Denver, I'm hoping that we tank so we can keep a top 10 pick. Now, with that being said, here are some ideas for guys I think would be great assets for this team. That's if Drew Locke is our guy and becomes a starter in 2020. Don't know how likely that is. I think the top positions we desperately need help at are in this order, in my opinion. Number one, CeeDee Lamb or LaVisca Chanel, wide receivers. We desperately need a true unicorn as an offensive weapon next to Sutton. I think either of these guys can help. Can I think either of these guys can truly bring fire into this offense? Number two, Jeff Okuda, cornerback, with talks of trades of Chris Harris Jr., which I desperately do not want to see get traded. I think Okuda can absolutely dominate under Vic Fangio's leadership. Number three, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker. I think that Simmons can be a simple plug-and-play option on this defense. With his speed and agility, he can take some pressure off Vaughn and Bradley. Can he really help stop the run? Sorry for the long comment, but I really want to get your guys' opinion on this. Also, awesome to have Mace on the DNVR squad. P.S. Hashtag Fire Elway. <laughs> well, you got that in. Appreciate you joining us, uh, the Unforgiven 3. Welcome to the fam. Glad to have you aboard with us. One thing I will say, though, you assume that Drew Locke is the guy, and that's fair to, go, to, to say here. There's no left tackle on this list. There's no offensive line, which yeah. is which is number one and two for me. And Isaiah Simmons, I think, with the other needs on this roster, and yes, cornerback, like you mentioned, could be a need. Isaiah Simmons might be a little bit of a luxury item. You've, I think you can ride with Todd Davis slash Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. I'm also coming in from Swedish, Swedish Bronco. I'm a bit choked shocked that anyone would want the state of Abu Dhabi as an owner. Yes, it's the state's oil fund that finances the city family of clubs. And before you start, it's known you can't be a billionaire without shades of gray on your resume, but probably even pitch black or but probably even pitch black, but Abu Dhabi and their closest ally, the Saudi Arabian is responsible for the war in Yemen. Where airstrikes target a school bus, they create a, f- a famine with 3.3 million pregnant women and are suffering from acute malnutrition. 130 kids dead per day from malnutrition, all the result of a conflicted start of a conflict started by Saudis in Abu Dhabi to get back at Iran. I wouldn't want Abu Dhabi anywhere near my Denver Broncos, and I haven't even mentioned torture and women's rights. Those 1,000 billion. $1,000 billion are covered in the blood of innocent people. Anyone or anything but states who commit war crimes. That's a good point. And, of course, that being said, I'm pretty sure you can go through a lot of billionaires and find a lot of malfeasance. So I don't yeah. think I don't think you're going to find anything pure anywhere with any of these people who could be going after the team, just saying. But, yes, that is something that you'd have to look, look at and 
that being said, uh, he mentions in the comment that follows, I'd like to add that I support Chelsea, which is owned by a Russian oligarch, as all Russian oligarchs use the implosion of the USSR to buy state companies for the cheap and become rich, but he's not responsible for the death of uncountable amount of innocence. His money is gray, not blood red. Denver really doesn't want to go from the bonus to the Abu Dhabi royal family, of course. Well, any if you're tied to the Russian government, there's probably some red on your blood there, too. Yeah, that's a good point. So, hello, fellas. This is from NJ Bronco 85 It's been a while since I last commented. I've been playing catch-up with the podcast, but you guys have been missed. As I was listening to on the stories of the Eagles versus Broncos game from 2017, it jogged my memory of me being at the game. So I wanted to share a random story with you gents. My wife as a birthday gift bought me tickets to the game. We were sitting at the 50-yard line behind the Broncos. Everyone kept telling me how crazy the Eagles fans are to not to not to wear my Broncos jersey, but of course I did not listen. To my surprise, everyone was actually a lot nicer than I would have expected, but of course I was stuck behind the most obnoxious Eagles fan, so you can imagine how fun that was as we were getting destroyed, LOL. Long story short, I was disappointed to say the least. However, my amazing wife disappeared on me as I went to the bathroom after the game. As I'm looking for her, I get a text message from her saying that she was talking to someone who happened to be a family member of someone on the Broncos and was able to get us passes to the locker room. Ooh. Although the game sucked, it was a pretty cool experience. I got to meet all of the Broncos. Just to show how much I bleed orange and blue, I went around the locker room talking to everyone in there, getting pictures and autographs, except Trevor Simeon. I despised him that season, and my wife had a good laugh because she couldn't believe that I wouldn't go and talk to him. I also remember talking to Garrett Bowles and his father, and he was really confident in himself, which is laughable after this season. <laughs> this is before I started listening to the pod. I wish I had a subscriber then to be able to share that with you guys. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's, that is awesome. Although the interesting thing, I know you probably didn't like Trevor Simeon's play. Trevor Simeon's actually a really good person. <laughs> he is. He is. He would have been a good person to talk to, that yes, for sure. Of course, he didn't play that day. That was a Brock Osweiler start. It was right after Trevor Simeon had been benched. Yep. So certainly he was not viewing that game with any great sense of fondness. Nope. Nope. Exactly. And that, yeah, that was a that was a bad that was a bad day on the field. Man. It was. That's quite the story, though. That's awesome. Next one coming in from the Big Tabowski. Hey guys, you read out my reply about Bezos yesterday and how I couldn't support the Broncos if he bought the team. He's the richest man in the world, yet makes sh- makes sure his workforce are employed in slave-like conditions to make to keep making him more money. He's an awful, awful human being, concerned by greed. In all seriousness, I don't know what I would do. I have stopped using Amazon in protest of his awful ethics, but I think I would probably draw the line and not wearing orange and blue on Sundays, probably. However, most billionaires have suspect morals. Certainly all the NFL ones do. Don't get me started on the LA Rams, Nuggets, and Avalanche owner who has married into a family that is arguably worse than the Bezos. So I would give up my support of my beloved sport because of morals? No, probably not. So perhaps I am just guilty as they are. The reason I love Pat Bowen, however, is he saw the team as Colorado's and sort of saw the team as a service to the city and fans. Sure, he made money from it, but I am not sure that this is that this was the main aim. He was one of the better billionaires. I miss Pat. What about this is an idea? What about the Green Bay Packers setup? What about moving ownership to the fans? They have a publicly owned nonprofit model, and I believe state laws make the team a community project owned by owned by the fans for the fans. Seems to work for them, and I would certainly love to be that case for our team. Alas, much like Tebow running returning to the NFL, this is a dream too far for me. I would love it if the NFL wanted community ownership of its teams. 
It's not happening. The Green Bay Packers are basically in via a grandfather clause. That sort of ownership, it's not coming to the NFL. And think about it. If a team was going to be publicly owned, I mean, what's the going rate for the Broncos? It'd be, what, $2.7 billion, right? Let's get out the old abacus here. Let's. How many people putting in $1,000 each would it take? It would take $2.7 million. <laughs> so 2.7 million people putting in $1,000 <laughs> each. It's the value of these teams has gone beyond what public ownership would really allow. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, and the Packers, I have a share of the Packers on the wall in my basement, but understand this, what they do now is they sell shares to raise money for capital expenditures. That was bought during one of the expansions of Lambeau Field when they were mm, trying to raise the money for that. That's awesome. So, yeah, good souvenir. Doesn't really have much value, but good souvenir nonetheless. Hunter P, off-season moves we should make. Asterisk, all of these moves with the assumption that Drew Locke is our quarterback for 2020, which I 100% think that he should be. With his cap number, we could put an incredible team around him. Release Flacco, 10 million cap savings. Leary, 8.5 million cap savings. Hireman, 4 million cap savings slash play. Bowles play two million cap savings. Davis five million cap savings. Not entirely opposed to keeping him through his contract. Trade Vaughn to the Ravens for a twenty twenty one, a three, and a twenty twenty one five. Looking at their roster, edge rusher is about all they are missing. This draft class outside of Young is pretty weak at edge rusher, and Vaughn be a pretty good value getting him on trade versus going after Clowney or someone comparable in free agency. Rationale fourteen million cap savings. This would give us two ones, one two, four threes, and two fours. We could use two threes in that 2021-5 from the Ravens to jump up in the second round. Then we could package our fours, move back in the third. End result, two ones, two twos, three threes, equals seven picks to the top 100, and $113 million in cap space now available to begin rebuilding the team. Resign, Wolf, Simmons, McGovern. Franchise tag, Chris Harris Jr. He won't like it, but at 31, what is he going to do? Sit out and miss an entire year's salary? Either that or a three-year deal, around 12 to 13 a year with a team out after year two. Free Asian acquisitions. Chris Jones, playing him opposite Wolf, would be incredible. Byron Jones, Cowboys can't sign everybody, so it's likely he'll be available. Costanza, or Costanzo. He said it like Costanza, like George <laughs> Costanza. Anthony Costanzo, hopefully solve our left tackle problem. Brandon Scherf, upgraded right guard. Vic Beasley, should be able to get him fairly cheap. Adds depth at edge so we don't have players wearing down because they are not playing 90% plus of the snaps. Trevathan, Bears are in salary cap hell and will need room to make room for a vet quarterback in the offseason. Gerald McCoy, presence in D-line depth. Thoughts? Whew, that is, a lot. that is quite the plan. That is a well-thought-out plan right there. The only thing with, uh, you mentioned Vic Beasley, depth at the edge. But Vic Fangio wants his starting edges playing 90% of the snaps. That's what he said he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Have the starters playing that, have the starters having that sort of workload. So as a result, I, depth is important, but you can't promise Vic Fangio, or you can't pr- promise Vic Beasley playing time because yeah. that's just not the way Vic Fangio operates. Yeah, and you lost me at trading Vaughn. I just really think Elway is so completely opposed to trading Vaughn. In the mock I did, the picks yielded number round one, number nine, nose tackle Derek Brown, 29 from the Ravens, middle linebacker Dylan Moses. Second round, 
41, KJ Hamler, wide receiver. 59, Dolphins, Terrell Lewis, edge. Round 3, 73, CJ Henderson, cornerback. Sage Surratt, receiver at 86. Najee Harris, running back at 96. I don't want a nose tackle in round 1. Yeah. It I agree. Doesn't play enough. The value's not there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love how much time you put in that. I'm very, very impressed, Hunter P. Next one coming in from Vertical Socks. Mace, you truly do know everything. I was born in Evansville and both my parents grew up there. My dad used to talk about eating fried brain sandwiches and how you couldn't get them anywhere else. I've never encountered another person who had ever heard of a fried brain sandwich, let alone knew that they were a specialty of Evansville, Indiana. Oh, well, As we thank say, you very much. Mace knows everything. I've never tried them. It's just one of those things that I heard about. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Indiana has some interesting uh, cuisine because, of course, it's deep fried. That's how they serve the brain sandwich. The pork tenderloin sandwich, deep fried, that's also a big thing in Indiana. Hmm. But there's nothing really distinctive about that. I've had a few pork tenderloin sandwiches. Meh. Nothing wrong with deep fried. Yeah, that's true. The Big Tabaski on to football stuff, as most have probably had enough political and philosophical chatter from me. Sorry about that, Broncos country. Love the comment from McCaffrey and Addict about being a Tim Tebow burner account. Ha, <laughs> that did actually make me laugh out loud. Love your username to mate classic. On that front, to make things clear, not even would I want Tebow back to quarterback our team now. As fun as it would be, his time has gone, and whilst I will always remember it fondly, he needed two or three years' development to become a really good NFL QB, and the Colts sucking for luck messed that up. If he came back now, he wouldn't have the time to develop. Even I, the man who had tears of joy when we drafted him, has moved on. Roll on, Drew Locke for now yeah but boy wouldn't it be fun wouldn't it be entertaining to have espn and nbc and every everyone at broncos headquarters mm-hmm. kind of like our cozy community that we have there going on now mace next one coming in from hard rocker after watching this thursday night game i am glad i'm not a browns fan miles garrett is going to be lucky if all this happens he gets suspended suspended for the rest of the year the indefinite suspension means he's out for the regular season and the playoffs if the Browns get that far. But the fact that Miles Garrett is suspended probably means the Browns' yep. fading playoff hopes yep. are now extinguished. Yep, yep. And you're right. It's truly embarrassing. Yep. Shaggy McLovin third. Hey, guys. has been a while since I commented, but I haven't missed a podcast. I have been traveling, all, I have been traveling through all of California for work and currently am helping me. I'm going to start that again. Sorry. No worries. Shaggy McLovin 3. Hey guys, been a while since I have commented, but I haven't missed a podcast. I have been traveling through all of California for work and am, and currently this is helping with my with me with my drive home to San Diego from Sacramento. First off, please know to Bezos, I love the Broncos and have been a fan my whole life, but that may have me questioning my loyalty. I want to stay in the family with Brittany, but I do like the Manchester idea as well. Now to football talk, because I don't believe Kaepernick is as good as he was. I do believe we should give him a good look. You guys couldn't remember a player doing well who hasn't played ball in three years. I want to pull my hair out. How about Alexander Johnson? He has killed it and looks like a potential ring of famer. I will say this. It's because he was out of the game, but he had not been in the NFL to begin with. I think that's what we, we thought was being talked about, guys who'd been in the NFL, right. went away. Alexander Johnson never was in the NFL before the Broncos brought him in. So. Wait, and he just said he looks like a potential ring of fame. I'm going to need a little Whoa, more sample size there. Let's put the car back in the garage <laughs> a little bit. So here is my way to fix the Broncos in one offseason. We keep our defense together. Simmons, Harris, Wolf, let go of Shelby Harris and Will Parks. Callahan should be fully healthy. You hope. Now on offense, first pick on best left tackle. Use the money on guard or center in free agency. Bring on the QB battle. 
Kaepernick, Locke, and trade back into the first round to get Jalen Hurts. And change to the spread offense helps all three. <laughs> Straight from your brain to RK's brain there, my friend. Then in the third or fourth round, we go best O-line combo. Finally, Mace, I'm from Williamsburg, Virginia. Not far from Richmond, but now live in beautiful San Diego. I love Colorado, and second to my heart, Dad's family's there. Grandpa's the reason I'm a Broncos fan, but hated the cold. Thank you, DNVR, for keeping me company while I follow my dream. Great comment, Shaggy. Oh, fantastic comment. You. Keep following that dream. Man, You've th- 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 those aren't some bad spots. San Diego, the East Coast, love it all. Love it all. It's good stuff. And hang on. Do you need to go? Um, it's I at can it's just, 11 o'clock. Aren't we done? We have two more comments from yesterday that I got to get to. Do we? Shoot. Are they short? No, they're not short. So you go ahead. Okay. And uh, the final read, you sent me the, the script for Drift, right? Yep. It's okay. at the very bottom of the okay, page. Okay, cool. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Mace. All right. I'll see you down there. We have two comments left over from yesterday. Of course, Zach, he's getting down to Dove Valley. I'll be following him in a little bit, but I'm going to wrap this up for you. This one from Pigtosser66. What up, guys? Thanks for getting all of us through the bye week with your usual awesome content. I just wanted to comment on the job Elway has done since he stepped into the front office and see what you think. He is getting more and more hate from the fan base, and I think some people need to be careful what they wish for. As far as the talent being drained from the team and the drafts being horrible, I think it would be interesting to go through all 31 drafts over the last eight years and see how many hits and misses they all had. I think the results would show what, that the Broncos aren't this team that has whiffed over and over again on draft picks more than other teams in the league. Remember, the draft is an all-out crapshoot. You see high-round choices getting cut or traded for peanuts all over the league every year. If anything, Elway's biggest misses since 2014 have been in free agency. A lot of reaching and hoping for players to perform or stay healthy at a level they have yet to achieve. Throughout the league, talent is fairly close, and for the majority of teams, the key to being successful is the quarterback and the coach. For Elway, he obviously hit a home run landing PFM. Then, I agree with his stance on Brock's worth. So we lost Brock and he moved up in round one to take a kid at 26 that numerous experts were saying could sneak into the top 15 on draft night. Can't fault Elway here. Maybe the Broncos didn't give Paxton Lynch a chance to succeed, but that was more. But was that more Elway or Kubiak year one? Problem is, misses on a first-round quarterback usually set your team back a few years, and that is what we are hopefully finishing up now. As far as coaches, he made a great hire in Fox. He made a great fire with Fox. He made a great hire with Kubiak. He made an unbelievable crap decision with Vijay. Jury is still out on Fangio, but to me, he is trending toward being a keeper. Overall, not bad on the coaching front for Elway, even with Vijay. Just wanted to get my thoughts out there and see what you guys thought, but in my opinion, Elway knows damn well what he is doing and has done nothing close to warrant getting fired. That's a good thing. I want to kind of get into the true level of success over the last decade for teams in the draft. That's something that I want to take on in the offseason, put some research into to kind of do a comparison. I think one thing that comes up, though, when talking about John Elway is the fact that the first two drafts were very good, but then in 2013 dropped off. The significance of those two drafts is that they were the ones that took place with Brian Zander still in the building. And then, of course, the Broncos move on from Brian Zanders after the 2012 draft, the quality of drafting did drop. Of course, the Broncos were picking low in the first round, low in the second round, etc. Then the 2018 draft that appears to be an outstanding draft, Gary Kubiak was in the building for that, helping with personnel. Of course, Gary Kubiak is no longer with the Broncos. The jury is certainly out on this 
2019 draft class. Long way to go before we can really evaluate it. So I think there are other factors you have to consider. Who else is in the building? That sort of thing. I think the quarterback thing overshadows it all. And look, there were other teams that did want Paxton Lynch. And who's to say where the Cowboys would be if they had executed the trade-up they wanted to have in 2016 and had picked Paxton Lynch in the back of the first round? Maybe Dak Prescott is a Denver Bronco right now. So there is luck and fortune a bit involved with that. I think the thing that gets you about the Paxton Lynch pick is that the Broncos didn't do an extensive amount of work in terms of spending time with Paxton, getting to know him the way they did with quarterbacks in the 2018 and 2019 drafts where they would bring in Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield for visits. they go out and watch these workouts individually where Elway would go see these guys play in games like he did with Justin Herbert and Drew Locke back in the 2018 season. There wasn't the same level of diligence done. I think that is in part learning from the mistake made with Paxton Lynch that the Broncos were hoping he could become something he wasn't, but if they'd done a little bit more work and research into him, they could have maybe found those things out. Last comment coming in from Golden Boy. No, no, no more retread quarterbacks, not TB12, not Big Ben, not Drew Brees, or anybody else. Get the top draftee and get him on a rookie deal. We have way too many holes to plug them and pay one of these quarterbacks. We need to pay to keep our defense intact. Desperately need another wide out. Our special teams are awful. We need depth to make them better and can use linebacker depth. The offensive line needs at least a left tackle and a guard or center if we move McGovern. By the way, I think letting Paradis go was a good move. Providing another reason, I am worried that Locke isn't ever going to be more than a backup. They know their players, and I think the staff have seen it in Locke. Elway did a pretty good job in the draft last year, especially with undrafted free agents. The regular free agents, we've been unlucky with injuries, I guess. There may be something to those that are oft injured continuing to get injured. I like Joe Burrow. My heart wants to believe we keep flying with Brandon Allen against the Vikings, but my head tells me we come back to earth and give the Vikes at least 17 points for late to turnovers, and the game gets out of hand early. Minnesota 38, Denver 13. And yes, that's a possibility. If the Broncos keep things in check with Brandon Allen, have him play within himself, maybe they can avoid those mistakes, but... I've been fearing this game a little bit for Brandon Allen just because I think Mike Zimmer is going to dial up some things. These two defenses that Brandon Allen will see in the next two weeks. The Vikings have given up some yards and some points, but they are explosive in the pass rush. Buffalo has had an outstanding year on the defensive side. It's going to really tell a lot about Brandon Allen and what his true potential is. Thanks for the comments, of course, and make sure you keep commenting and uh, we'll get them in in future podcasts. Appreciate all of you joining us. Before we go, I want to tell you about drift car sharing. Who wants to make some money? Everyone does, right? Everyone wants to make money. Well, here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to your wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver International Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for your friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. 
That's right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. Appreciate you joining us as always here on the DNVR Broncos podcast. And once again, if you want to give us a little bit of a shout out, we'd really appreciate that. The House of Pods Colorado Podcast Awards. You can find the link on the Twitter feeds of Zach, Ryan Konigsberg, and of course, yours truly. Vote for us. Vote for the Denver Sports Podcast as the best new podcast as well. We'd really appreciate it. If you get a little bit of joy, a little bit of fun from our podcast, give us a little bit of a shout out on there and help us hopefully win the best podcast in Colorado. You have a great weekend. And hey, if you're going to be at the Vikings game, hit me up on Twitter at Mace Denver. Let me know where you're going to be. I'm going to try to walk around the stadium and the surrounding area before the game. I'd love to catch up with some members of the DNVR family who are going to be there at U.S. Bank Stadium in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. For Zach Stevens, I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for joining us on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Zach and RK will talk to you after the game Sunday. I'll be covering it in Minneapolis. I'll talk to you right here on Monday with my thoughts on the Broncos game against the Minnesota Vikings. Take care, everyone. Yeah.